You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. This is um, Paul and Minda. Um, Paul and Minda serve on the NCMI uh, translocal team. Um, they are church planters. They have led churches now in two nations, um, South Africa and um, now in Detroit, Michigan. And so, um, man, we are thankful for the gift that they are to the nations. We are thankful for the gift they are to, to us. Um, they are um, dear friends to Vanessa and I. We love them and appreciate them. We've been out to Detroit and been part of their um, amazing church and, and watching what all the Lord's doing there. And so Detroit is an amazing city. Um, and so, man, we are thankful for what God is doing with them and through them, blessing them. When, when they get home, they're probably in a few weeks going to be uh, moving into their new house that they've been waiting for for five plus years. Um, and uh, But now they got to look for a new building. So that is our prayer for them. Um, so they just got notice here that their, their building situation has changed and they're going to need to look for a new building. So we're, we prayed for them um, in our prayer service, so we're going to continue to pray. The Lord's going to give them a building. Um, so, hey, this is Paul. I want Minda to say hi. Um, and I don't know, maybe she's doing some ministry too, but however it goes. But Minda, please say hi, and then we'll let Paul do his talk. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Good morning, everybody. We're so, so blessed to be here. We really, really love your church. We love you as people. I've been fortunate. This is my second time. Well, I've been here, I think, the third time I've visited. Uh, second time, really, to be able to get to know some of you and reconnect with some of you. And you're very much in our hearts. We feel very connected to you as a church. Our whole church feels connected to you. Um, as Jody said, Jody and Vanessa have been out to minister. Vanessa ministered to our women. But then also, even during the pandemic, we did an Instagram live session with them. So even some of the new people have gotten to know them. And and uh, we, we pray for you guys. We love you guys. We love the city. We believe in what you're doing. And um, I'm just really overwhelmed with the love of God that I feel for this church. I just sense his heart for you, that he loves you so deeply. And he has such a wonderful, wonderful inheritance for you. So it is just absolutely a privilege and joy to be with you, to be connected with you, the, not just a visit, but that we actually have a partnership with you, that you're our brothers and sisters. We're on the same team, doing the same thing with the same Lord for the same reason, for the gospel, for the nations, for the harvest, for our, for our nation. Uh, it's just such a privilege. So we don't take that lightly. And we send greetings from Detroit, from Border City Church. And all of you, any of you are always welcome to come visit. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Good. You want? All right. Cool. Paul Nichols. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we are, are in Detroit. Minda has spoken here before, so some of you may not be as familiar with me. Uh, I would certainly echo everything that you just heard Minda share. Um, we, it, I, I count it such a privilege to be standing here with you uh, in this particular church. Um, uh, you, you know, sometimes when you're at the rock face, you kind of forget, and it's just church as usual, but... Uh, from around the world, this church matters a lot, and um, I, you know I want to honor Jody and, and Vanessa for the the leadership that they provide. Obviously, you have one element of leadership, and you're receiving. And can you honor Jody and Vanessa for just the? Um, I want to honor them. They're they're number one. They're the real deal. 
There's, there's no pretense with them whatsoever. There's no falsity. They're not playing religious games. I admire that. I don't like religious games, but they're also full of love. Uh, and, and they're full of this, <laughs> of Jesus. And uh, I can hardly think of a better compliment for, for somebody. So honor them. And I really want to honor you guys. Um, you, some of you have walked a journey in this particular church, responding to the call of God. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it, do, it is uh, t- taking up your cross daily and following him. And some of you have carried a cross. And that's not a, you know, a burden or like, oh, you know, I'm dying. Jesus doesn't do that. He lifts us. But nevertheless, it is a death to self and so that he can live through us. And I want to honor you. Uh, the ripple effect of this church is going around the world. And it has impacted my life in, the, in, the, in Detroit. And I want to thank you for releasing Jody and Vanessa from this church to do what they do translocally. It is, it is not insignificant. And, and uh, so I encourage you to, to do that with faith. I also want to say I've had a few conversations while we've been here with people in the life of the church and very exciting conversations, people here sitting in this room talking about what they're feeling is stirring in their own hearts of the call of God. And I do think Jody and Vanessa have pioneered. Uh, and I think that uh, we're in a season where we're going to see more people coming up. And um, it's kind of, if I can say it this way, have you ever heard the story of the woman who with the issue of blood and she grabbed a hold of the garment of Jesus and power flowed from him and she got healed? How many of you remember that story? Well, there's something about all of us that need to grab a hold of the garment of Jesus and we receive power. But there comes a time in our maturity where we become the one uh, wearing the garment. And other people are receiving from what we have received from him. And uh, I think that in the fruit of the life of this church, we're going to see more of that. People rising up in a greater dimension of um, um, not just following Jody and Vanessa. Obviously, they follow in the context of the local church. But rising up into their inheritance and destiny and God as a son of God to stand in in what they've been called to do. And uh, so that's kind of what I want to speak into this morning, actually. Um, I, I believe that, uh, and what we're going to, if I could, if I had a sermon title, I'm not big on sermon titles, but it's sometimes helpful. So here it is. You ready? It's partnering with God in a season change, partnering with God in a season change. And, uh, I, I believe that, that there is a season change in RLA, but really if I can be, um, and I, I submit to you this morning, I believe that it's not just RLA, Restoration Los Angeles. I believe that God has a season change in his church in this hour. And these things that we see, I mean, 2020, my gosh, like, you know, <laughs> if Jesus, if it doesn't seem like Jesus is returning uh, soon, I don't know, like, what was that? <laughs> 2020. I don't know when Jesus is returning. I'm just saying we have to see the spiritual significance of what's happening. God has done some interesting things in the church, and he uses what is evil, what the enemy intends for evil, God will use for good. It's what he does. It's the story of the cross. Death turns into resurrection. It's what he does. And this COVID thing that we went through, and the political stuff, and the racial tensions, and all of these things, actually God has had a plan to leverage that very thing. The enemy always thinks that he gets the upper hand, and he's got this plan, and God uses that very thing to be the thing that catapults the church further if they connect with him in the midst of it. 
And I believe that there has been an opportunity over this last year to, for us to make some shifts in the church globally. We've, we've, we've had the structure that we're used to and the format that we're used to taken from us. And we've had to, by necessity, grab a hold of a deeper place of connecting with the Lord on a daily basis to find out, Lord, what's next? What do we do? And it's all, all cultivated a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit. I believe that we've also learned to value this being with one another in a whole other dimension. I believe that some of the religious nonsense that we as the American church get into has been an opportunity. Not every church has gone there, sadly, but an opportunity to brush some of that nonsense of churchiness, if you know what I'm saying, Uh, to brush that off to to where what, what is left is the real thing, the real thing, Jesus. And at the end of the day, that's what the world needs. And, uh, but there is a season uh, change, and we partner with God. And so I'm trusting this morning over the next few minutes that by the power of the Holy Spirit, certainly not by my might, not by my power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the spirit of revelation that we would see into the wisdom of God, to see instruction from heaven, to maneuver in this time with God into the inheritance that he is shifting us into. Can I pray towards that, maybe? So, Father, we, we, do, we do just humbly uh, come before you. And, Jesus, we thank you, uh, as we sang this morning, that we are victorious. And you dwell inside of us, and you are here. You said that where two or more are gathered together in your name, there you are. And we, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that the anointing of, the, of your word would open up eyes, and we pray for that this morning, God. Open up our eyes that we would see into the things of the kingdom. We ask you to give us a spirit of revelation. Help us to, to hear the voice of our shepherd this morning, that, the, that Jesus would be the head of the church and that you would lead your flock into inheritance in Jesus' name. Amen. Partnering with God uh, in a season change. Oh, there we go. So if you'll look with me, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look through the book of Acts. And uh, I quite literally mean that. <laughs> we're going to look through the book of Acts, starting in chapter 1. Some of you are thinking, oh, geez, I should have had that second coffee. Acts chapter 1, and uh, so this first thing, there are seasons in God's will. Just in case we're, we're maybe we think that that's just kind of uh, religiosity, you know, seasons, times and seasons. Well, if you don't believe me, let's look at the scripture, and maybe perhaps the scripture can convince us. Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? In verse 7, and he said to them, it is not for you to know, listen to this, the times or seasons. Would you agree that Jesus just acknowledged that there are times and seasons? It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Just a couple of thoughts that I want to share from that first portion of scripture that we are looking at. Acts 1 verses 6 through 8. Firstly, is we often wrongly assume what God's agenda is in the season. I, 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 bring that home. You are in a season. I am in a season. We are in a season right now. And just like the disciples here said, Lord, will you not restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? 
Yeah, I'm not going to go into the, all the, what that meant, but they were completely misreading what Jesus was all about. We're talking about the, those who had walked close, closest with Jesus were basically missing the mark entirely on what it was that he was doing right as he was about to leave. Missed the mark. Thought that he was going to be restoring a political entity, a national entity called Israel and power being broken off of the, uh, the power of the Roman Empire off of, so that Israel would once again be a sovereign nation and be the greatest nation in the earth. That's what they thought. If I can step on toes, perhaps, so many in the American church are still expecting Jesus to do this and make America. Well, okay, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> That was, that was a little too close to home. Oh, Jesus, come back, please. <laughs> Many American Christians have been missing the mark. Just, there's nothing new under the sun, just like it was there. We often, here's the, here's the humbling factor, we often miss. Don't think that you, you know, those idiot disciples. No, no, no. We can so easily do the same thing, miss God's agenda, what he's doing in this season. Another thought out of that passage of Scripture, we cannot change what the topic is of the season. The Father has said it in his own authority. You can try to make this season about what you want it to be. It will not happen. And many in the church are fighting, trying. We think that this is the thing. This, this is what we want. This is, and we have good ideas. The disciples had biblical reasons to think that it was about restoring the kingdom to Israel. There were scriptures that they could quote that would reinforce why they thought that was it, but they misread it. And you and I can do the same thing. We can take scripture and try to make it what we think we want. Uh Uh-uh. Father kept it in his own authority. But we do, according to that scripture, have power to do what is his will. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. This, we're not restoring the kingdom to Israel. No, 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 boys. We are, and girls, we are raising up sons and daughters of the king who have the same spirit that you have witnessed upon my life, Jesus is saying, and now it's going to be upon you. That is what this has been all about. Not the sovereignty of your nation. It's been about the kingdom coming through sons and daughters into the earth. And I want to suggest to you this morning, it's still that. For you, for me, the glory of heaven manifesting upon the church. Another thought that we can say real quick, you and we are always in a season. It's not like there are seasons and then there's like this period where it's not really a season. It's just like God forgot about the church and then he's like got a season again. We are always walking out some kind of purpose that God's doing that we can so easily miss. And then lastly, just want to say this, Acts 1.8 this Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That is the thesis statement. Now, in case you've forgotten fifth grade English class or whatever it was, uh, a thesis statement, if you wrote a five-paragraph essay at the end of the introductory paragraph, there was what was supposed to be a one-sentence thesis statement that was basically saying what the whole essay was, was in one sentence. That scripture, Acts 1-8, is the thesis for all 28 chapters of the book of Acts. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses, my witnesses, in Jerusalem, that's the first season, in Judea, Samaria, that's the second season, 
and the uttermost ends of the earth, the third season. And what we're going to do is now look at the book of Acts, and we're going to look at each of these three seasons. And we're going to pull some, some points out so that, that will speak into shifting and partnering with God in a season change today. Good? Okay. Let's look at this. Acts uh, chapter 2, uh, you know, we just, I'm not going to say it I, 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 again. I'm not going to read that again, but let me, let me just say this. The first season, Jerus is the city of Jerusalem. This, this entity, this thing of the church, this work of Jesus, this body of Christ, this bride of Christ in the earth, it started in the city of Jerusalem, and it was contained within that city. And there was a culture within that city. They were Jews. There was a strong cultural uh, precedent set in that city, and the church took upon the culture of that city. I'm telling you, it, it, it was radical when it began to shift outside of Jerusalem, and it was radical when it began to shift into the uttermost ends of the earth. And I want to say to you, RLA, yes, you are called to East LA, and yes, I am called to the city of Detroit. But we are called to the nations of the earth. And it is radical, and it's going to broaden your heart. It's going to broaden your paradigms. And because God doesn't want to be contained in your smallness, he wants to be contained in his bigness. And he is, he is, he is able. He is able to do what he says, okay? So Jesus says this. At Luke chapter 24... You don't have to turn there with me. I just want to read this. This is the conclusion of Jesus' ministry as he's kind of handing the baton over to the disciples. In verse 49, he says, Behold, I send you the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry, or wait, in the city of Jerusalem, first season, uh, until you are endued with power from on high. The first season in, in the city of Jerusalem was about these four things. It was about unity, it was about prayer, united prayer, not just pr my relationship with Jesus prayer, the church praying, united prayer. It was about the Holy Spirit empowerment, and it was, fourthly, about the bold witness of Jesus going into the earth. Unity, prayer, empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and a bold witness of Jesus into the earth. What, why, why is that important, Paul? Why are we looking at that? Because if the church was birthed with those four things being kind of at the forefront, we never leave that foundation. No matter what season we find ourselves in, that will always be what we're standing upon. We're standing upon Jesus, I get it. But in the church, unity, prayer, Holy Spirit, and bold witness of uh, the gospel. So if you'll look with me, Acts chapter 1, verse 12. So the disciples are told by Jesus to go tarry in the city of Jerusalem. That's where they're waiting for this thing called the promise of the Father, whatever that is. They just saw Jesus ascend up into heaven. They, all they know is that they're going to be as witnesses. They kind of don't know what's going on. They go to this upper room, uh, and, and, you know, what, they chose a good thing to do. They, I don't, you know, they, they prayed. <laughs> I bet they're shaking in their boots. Lord, what is this? In Acts chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into an upper room where they were staying. Uh, Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Do you hear that? They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. That's what they were doing. 
with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. If you flip over to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, just kind of a continuation. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Incredibly important, this idea of being in one accord. You know, I talked to some of the leaders on Friday night about what fellowship is. It's not just hanging out and having coffee uh, after church or talking to other Christians. Fellowship is actually two fellows in a ship. You're in a canoe together. You're, 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 you're leaving the safety of dry ground. You're getting into a ship. And if one rocks the boat, boat both get rocked. You're, you're all in. That's what fellowship is. They were all with one accord. They were all in. We're talking these guys had left their livelihood. They were fishermen. They had left everything. They left. They were living in the city of Jerusalem. They didn't know what they were doing. How are we going to survive? All they were, they were all together fully bought in, fully determined to follow whatever Jesus was going to lead us in. And they were in one place. They were together. They were in unity. And it says, and suddenly there came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it, a sound, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And even over this past season in Detroit, Border City Church, we've been giving ourselves during this COVID season, coming back to where corporate prayer is the epicenter, it's the engine room of our church. To where Sunday morning, yeah, that's, that's obviously important, but, but prayer, if we don't pray together, we ain't got nothing. And we've been contending, you know, we've been kind of getting away from trying to do this thing of ministry. And we've gotten back to taking the promises that God has promised his church in scripture. And we've been contending with God and wrestling and prayer together for those things. And we've been giving space for the Holy Spirit and, and allowing and seeking a, another dimension of the Holy Spirit. And so this thing of, of, of uh, unity, of praying together, but then there's also this thing of the bold witness of the gospel into the community. Acts, if you go with me to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So what happens after the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit's poured out. They're speaking in tongues. Many of you know the story. Peter gets up to explain to all the people who heard the sound that these people aren't actually drunk because they thought they were all drunk. And he starts to preach the gospel for the first time. So this, this first season in Jerusalem, we've got they were praying, we've got they were in unity, and now we've got something of the bold witness of the gospel. It says, Acts 2.41, after Peter preached, then those who re- gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. If you flip down with me to Acts 2.46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people, and listen to this, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. How do you suppose they were being saved? People were speaking the word. People were witnessing of the, of the gospel into their community. If you don't believe me, well, let's go on to Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You believe me yet? Well, go to Acts chapter 5, verse 14 then. (laughs) And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes both of women and uh, men and women. Acts 5.42, daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus 
as the Christ. Do you see this, this city of Jerusalem as a result of the disciples being planted by Jesus in that city? And as they were totally dependent upon Jesus in that city, and they were all together, there, there was unity in the church. They were, they were together in this following Jesus and being with each other, receiving the Holy Spirit. The result was that that city became saturated with the witness of Jesus. And I'm not talking about going to the street corner and like handing out tracts and preaching at people. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about Holy Spirit empowered Jesus being in you and on you and manifesting himself through you as you follow, as you follow him in your, in your life, in ordinary life. And so um, Acts 6, 7, the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. These are the foundations, as I said, of every season. And let's make sure that we build on these. But however, if you go with me over to Acts chapter, chapter 8, there's, there's, this, there's a critical shift, a next season. Remember the three seasons that we talked about? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost ends of the earth. Well, let's see how this next season happened in Judea and Samaria. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, and at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. You seeing how this happens? They're in Jerusalem. Now they're beginning to go into Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Take note of that. So believers were being spread into these areas, but not the apostles. Who were the apostles? They were the original leaders of this thing in the city of Jerusalem. In other words, what are we saying is that the second generation of believers. Now, I don't mean, uh, I don't mean uh, age by when I say second generation. Some, I can be discipling somebody who's 20 years my senior, but they've received from me and they're a second generation. That makes sense? What we're seeing in the church here is a second generation. Those that had been kind of led by and discipled by the original 12 apostles, we're seeing those people, not the apostles. They stay in Jerusalem. Those people begin to go out into Judea and Samaria. What happens as a result of that? Well, let's read on. Verse 2, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, and if you don't know, Saul would later become the apostle Paul. But what's he doing now before he meets Jesus? As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. What did they do when they went out everywhere? They looked for jobs so that they could survive. They went everywhere looking for a great place to live, like L.A. They went everywhere preaching the word. The result of that first season, as the apostles pioneered, and they led the way, and they modeled something, and they simply modeled what they had seen Jesus himself model in front of them. The result of that season was that sons and daughters were now rising up and saying, I am called. Jesus is in me, and Jesus sends me into the earth in his anointing and authority and power to represent him. Do you know that God wants to do that with you? 
Some of you feel like, yeah, no, no, you don't know me. You don't know me. <laughs> Let me say that to you. And what I've done in my life and all the reasons that I would have to be utterly shamed and disqualified to certainly be standing in this place. You know what it is? It is the grace of heaven. If you have a heart that is just willing to receive and follow Jesus, that qualifies you. Believing. Just receiving. Not to say that you do whatever you want and can do whatever you want. No, no, no. If you really believe and you really receive Jesus, you're, you're seeking to follow him. And, and, the, and what he is doing in you is raising you up as a witness of him. And so if you look, look, look on with me, what verse do we stop in? Yeah, I know. What, that's a chapter, bro. I need the verse. Five, thank you. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. So again, it's the second season. Verse six, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out from many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. Just a couple thoughts that I want to pull out of that passage of scripture that we just said. One is this, is that persecution is what brought that second season about. Why is that significant? There is reason to believe that the disciples in the city of Jerusalem were perhaps late in responding to the call of God. In other words, they could have initiated, they could have gone into Judea and Samaria because Jesus had called them to that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But they didn't. They stayed in the, the, the city of Jerusalem. And God used persecution whether that was his original plan or whether it was because the disciples were kind of late in responding, either way, he used persecution. What the enemy was trying to do, bringing havoc upon the church as the impetus to get the disciples to go and do what Jesus had called them to do. You follow? You are called to do what the disciples were called to do, just like they were. And God will even use COVID-19. God will even use whatever it is to become an impetus to get you to respond to the call, whether it's because of latency, in other words, you're late in responding, or just to get you to get into the time, God will use that stuff if you are connecting with him in the season and finding him in the middle of it. So when persecution hits, I want to encourage, whether it's persecution or whether it's COVID-19 or whether whatever it is in your life, I want to encourage you with this, do not simply retreat and act defeated by what is coming against you I mean, they had reason to do that. Life is over. We're leaving the city that we grew up in. Our family's here. Our everything is here. They could have said, I guess it's over. But they dug in, in the spirit, and found Jesus, and they realized they need to scatter, and they went, and they went on mission. So persecution brought it. But then another thing that I want to just pull out of this is the season change will always require greater love of God and of man. If the disciples had been late in responding of the call to leave Jerusalem and go to Judea and Samaria, why do you think they would have been late on that call? Why would they have kind of hesitated to go? Because of convenience. I've always been in Jerusalem. My job is in Jerusalem. This is what I know. These are my people. It's convenient. And what God had to do in that second season was enlarge their capacity of love, firstly for himself, that they would be willing to go 
and be inconvenienced for the sake of the mission. But number two, that the love for those people who may not look like me, who may not think like me and talk like me, another culture, love would send uh, for of man, of God and man into that other place. I want to tell you, I mean, I, I'm not from the inner city Detroit originally. You, you think it's convenient and comfortable for me? And I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying, guys, I want to trade being where I am for the world. Why? Because God has called me in that place. God's moving in that place. God's using us in that place. And there's nothing that I could, tra- what else would there be better on this earth than that? He loves it. Let's go to this third season, Acts chapter 10. So the first, city, the first season was in Jerusalem. The second season was this kind of branching into Judea and Samaria. And now we're going to see this incredible shift into this kind of final last phase of, 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 of the third season of the book of Acts, which is the gospel going to the Gentiles. Now, you've got to understand the background here with, with the, the gospel going to the Gentiles, despite the fact that the scriptures of the Old Testament talk about lights going to the Gentiles, despite the fact that Jesus himself said that you're going to be my witnesses in the uttermost ends of the earth, that thing of cultural smallness, of, of Jewish culture, that they saw themselves as the people of God and everybody else were Gentiles. They were heathen. They were without covenant. They were dirty. In fact, the cultural standard was we don't even eat with them. We don't enter their home. They're, 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 they're shameful. There was a, a major condescending attitude towards, towards Gentiles. And, and despite the fact that God had always been talking about light ultimately going to the Gentiles through the church, they, did not, they could not perceive it. And what we're about to see here is a breaking through of that. Let's not think that that's not relevant today. Because God wants to break his church out of our smallness of our locale to, to possess something. God says, I have called my church to be a house of prayer for all nations. Will you carry a, my burden for both your local area as well as that which is beyond? And I believe that is a critical thing for this particular church in its, in its development in this season shift. As you're beginning to begin to broaden in another dimension, not just Jody and Vanessa. I mean, I, I honor them as people who are so broad. They've gone to Australia. They've gone to all over America. They've gone to South Africa. They've gone, done all this stuff. I want to say there are other people in this church who God is going to tap you and rise up and say, you know what? You're not just this. You're actually called to this. Not because of how awesome you are, because of who I am in you. Will you believe? Will you follow? And so Acts chapter 10, let's look at this. Verse 9, it says, The next day, as they went on their journey, well, maybe just to give you a little background, Peter here, the apostle Peter, had just been given a, a, an angelic vision. Let's make sure I got that right. <laughs> Cornelia, yeah, okay, no, let's just get, read it. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as they went on their journey... And they drew near the city. Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Verse 10. And then he became very hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. 
And he saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down to the earth. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Cultural standard. It was the, the pattern and in the, in the, in the standards of the, of the previous season. Verse 15, and a voice spoke to him again the second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. And this was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. And now while Peter wondered within himself what his vision, what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now to, to give you this understanding of the background here, here's Peter having a vision of this sheet coming down, the beast on it. And what you don't know is right before that, a, what we call a God-fearer, which is a, a Gentile who was hanging around the synagogue. He wasn't a Jew by birth, but he was hanging around the synagogue, and he had chosen kind of to become proselytized and to begin work, worshiping the God of Israel, Yahweh, right? And so he was giving alms, and God gave him a vision. And, said, and in this vision, the angel came to him and said, there's a man named Peter, in the city of Joppa, send men to go get him and bring him to you, and he'll tell you what I, I want to tell you. You follow? So they send this delegation of men to go find Peter. In that, while they're on the way, Peter is having the trance that I just read to you, and he's seeing this thing about the sheet and the four-footed beasts, and, and he's being told to rise and kill and eat, and he's saying, not so, Lord. I'm, I've never eaten anything unclean and that's lawfully unclean. And then they come to the gate, and in verse 18, they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. By the way, I, I, I want to cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit, where I'm up there having a trance, and now the Lord's saying, There's three men waiting for you, and I'm all, you know what I'm saying? That sounds cool. Anyways, that's a side note. Uh, verse 21, and then Peter went down to the men who had been uh, sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. And then uh, he invited them in and lodged with them. And the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And for the following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and they had called together his relatives and close friends, and they come into this house. I want you to understand the significance of this moment. Here's Peter, a Jew. And while Jesus had said that this gospel will go into the nations, he was still living in the paradigm of an old season, of, the, of, of, of religiosity. And here he is, and, and it, it, so much it required a vision from him, to himself and this other thing from Cornelius. It had this profound, like there's no way you can doubt that this is God. And he couldn't deny it. And he was willing to enter through that threshold into the house of a Gentile. That was that was unclean. There was season shift the moment that he crossed that threshold. And I want to say to you, some of you are going to have a season shift, a crossing of that threshold, entering into this thing that you thought you would never do. 
And I want to tell you in my, my, you know, my upbringing, I didn't necessarily see myself living in downtown Johannesburg or in downtown inner city Detroit. But you cross an obedience over into a new season. And let's hear what happens in this, in this act of obedience. Peter begins to preach the gospel to them. At that point, the Jewish Christians did not think that non-Jews could get saved. They really didn't. And here he begins to say, I guess God wants us to tell. So he just starts to tell them about Jesus, tell them about what happened, tell them about the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, that means the Jews that were accompanying Peter, those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Some of you are going to be astonished, by the way. You're going to be astonished when you see what happens out of some of the people in this room and how God begins to raise them up and use them in their neighborhood, in the region, in the California, and in other regions, in both this nation and the world. Astonished. They're astonished. As many as uh, came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. What? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And in that moment, there was a new season, my friends. The gospel was now going into the uttermost ends of the earth. It was no longer confined by into the boundaries of Judaism. It had become a gospel for all men. And you and I are beneficiaries of that act of obedience down to this very day. And can I say, can we continue therein? Can we be like Peter and say, I will be, have my boxes blown so that mankind can receive that one? It is worth it. So just a couple thoughts that we want to toss out of that. Personal comfort. Delayed the second season, as we said, I believe, to get it out of Jerusalem into the next territory. Personal comfort was what delayed that. Religious boxes delayed the next season. It was the paradigms of my Judaism that kept that, kept that next season from going. I wanted, why am I saying that? Because we can have religious boxes inside of our own thinking, our own heart, our own lives that would keep the next thing that God's wanting to bring through us from happening? And can we humble ourselves and say, Lord, blow those things wide open. I don't want to be stuck inside of a religious box. Even though I may have known church or Christianity always to be this way or my relationship always to be with you this way, I'm willing to follow you into a new season. Secondly, religion will keep us out of the next season. Do you know what I'm saying mean by religion? I mean that thing of serving God where God's actually not the one in control you are. That's religion. Religion will keep us out of the next season, but in the same way, going into the, following Jesus into the next season will also confront our religion. And there is nothing so freeing as being freed from the religious boxes that we live in. It is freeing. Another thought is that the next season may look different from what we expected or were comfortable with. Peter was not expecting, apparently, 
for this gospel to go into the Gentiles. And he certainly hadn't been comfortable. Not so, Lord. I have never tasted anything unclean. He wasn't comfortable with it. How many of you know the next season in this church's life, in your life, in the life of the church, may not be what you're comfortable with or we're expecting? But can we allow God to define it and for it not to have to fit within our boxes of what we're comfortable with? Question to ask ourselves, are we frustrating God's purpose with our boxes? Ultimately, what breaks all, all of that, ultimately, is that our, our ultimate hunger, our ultimate pursuit is the pursuit of knowing him. And the way that we give everything to the pursuit of knowing him is when we simply receive and realize what he did for us. The more I know of what he has done for me, the more I want to know him. Not just what he did at the cross, but also who he is today. Sitting at the right hand of the power of God with all glory. The son of God with power, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to know him. So what are a few boxes that may trap us? And we're going to bring it to a close. One, I think would be church culture or church style, or even, yeah, church cult, what churches we've known it. And I think COVID-19 gave us an opportunity to kind of wipe that slate clean and say, this is my church. This is not, this is not a, this is not a, uh, uh, you know, like a, a corporate thing. This is my church. I, I will make it. And so, so sometimes God wants to do a new thing in his church, and we've got to be, we can't be limited by those boxes. Another box possibly could be our small faith that's due to fear. And what I mean by that is God can only lead you within the realm of your faith. He will, you'll, he'll, his power will flow you through you to the point of, of where your faith will go. And fear will keep our faith small. And so that can be a box. Another box can be sentimentality. What do I mean by that? It's just not, you know, wishing for, loving the way things used to be and just wanting to hang on to the way it's always been. Sentimentality. And while that's sweet and nice, God's building his church. And it's not static. It doesn't stay the same. We've got we to allow the, the previous season to be a foundation that we stand upon so that we can go further. And we, we don't want to live in the past. We want to move forward into the future. Another box would be not seeking the Lord. How was it that Peter entered into that last season? He was praying on the rooftop. And that's where he found the trance. You tell me. Would he have had that trance and that whole thing would have, have gone down? Had he not been praying? I don't know. I doubt it. There's something about being found, praying, seeking the Lord, that that's where the Lord leads you into the things of the next season. What's another box? Would be looking, uh, would be our, our comforts. Keeping the Holy Spirit contained in what's, what's comfortable. And the Holy Spirit kind of lives in the realm just beyond your comfort. <laughs> and if we want to have the Holy Spirit use us, uh, in this new season, in, 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 in the unfolding of our inheritance and our destiny, we've got to be willing to step perpetually outside of our comfort. Is that good? Everything that God has ever spoken over his people, he does not stop working to bring to pass, 
you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost ends of the earth. Despite the church, God continues to work with his church to bring his word to pass, and he's still doing it through you and me today. I want to ask Minda, uh, she had some prophetic senses, and I just thought it would be good to maybe release that as we, as we uh, come to a close. Since we arrived in L.A. a few days ago, uh, I just felt the Lord kept drawing me to trees. Uh, if you travel, you know trees are different in every region. And I just, everywhere I looked, every time I looked, I would be drawn to a tree, to different types of trees. If we were driving, like a tree framed by a window, and I just kept seeing trees and trees and trees. And I said, okay, Lord, you're obviously wanting me to look at trees. What is it about trees? And trees are throughout Scripture. God speaks to us about trees over and over and over and one of the things about trees is that they, they draw from a source, but they exist to give. And I just felt that the Lord wanted to say, this, this house, this church, is a tree that he's planted, but you also, as individuals, are trees. And, and they exist, trees exist to give away. Uh, just two verses I want to read quickly. Ezekiel 47 verse 9, uh, it talks about the river, well, the whole chapter is talking about the river of God that's flowing from the throne of heaven, and verse 9 says that everywhere that that river goes, there's going to be life, and then in verse 12, it says, along the, the bank of the river, on this side and that, will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail, they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary of God. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Um, and, and then also in Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8, it says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. This is the same thing Jody was sharing earlier today uh, about uh, being built on the foundation of Jesus, putting our trust in him. We're like a house built on that rock, but we're also like a tree trusting in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water. Again, tree by the water. That's what you see throughout scripture uh, that sends out its roots by the stream. So the roots go toward the stream. And what is that stream? That stream is flowing from the throne of God. It's the presence of God. It's the spirit of God. It's coming close to God, drawing from the spirit of God, drawing from your relationship with God. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Green. It has no worries in a year of drought. Last year was probably a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. And I just felt that God wanted to say to you guys as a church, you are coming into a season of fruitfulness. And there may have been a season of drought or may have been a season that felt like, God, is there going to be fruitfulness from the season that we've been through? But it says here that this person doesn't get anxious or fearful when it looks like there's not going to be fruit because their fruit never fails to come. There's always going to be fruit. And if you look at uh, the book of Revelation, it talks about the tree. Scripture begins and ends with trees. In the book of Revelation, this tree also by the river that's flowing from the throne of God, it talks about those leaves being for the healing of the nations. So it bears fruit and it gives healing to those around it and it also healing for the nations. And I just see this, this tree and these trees coming up from this place. Uh, but I just want to encourage you. That happens as we draw from the source of the Spirit of God. So that's the key. 
drawing from the spirit of God, allowing our roots to go deep. I want to encourage you as, as individuals, let your roots go deep in God, in, in church. Let God plant you relationally. Even as he's taking you out further, don't be afraid to let your roots go deeper because of where your source comes from. It's as we're planted that we grow bigger and that we have fruit and leaves to give away. So don't be like, no, I'm supposed to go give fruit or leaves over here, so I'm not going to plant myself. It's actually, that's not the way it works. We plant ourselves. We let our roots reach deep to the source, knowing that it's the source. And we draw from God. We draw from his spirit. We draw from community. We draw from local church. There's a scripture that talks about blessed is the man who's planted uh, in the house of the Lord. He will never cease to bear fruit, even in old age. Our flourishing comes as we're planted in the house of God. But our fruit is not for in the house of God. Our fruit is for the nations. Our leaves are to bring healing to the nations. And I just believe that there is a season coming where there's going to be fruit from this house and healing from the leaves for the nations. Jody, I, I'd like, if it's okay with you, I would like to just kind of pray for some, please, um, and give an opportunity just to respond. Am I on? Yeah. Hello, hello. Should we go back to this mic? Okay. Yeah, so just, uh, if I could ask you to close your eyes real quick. And I don't, I don't want to take a lot of your, your time, but I do just want to, I do, I, I do want to allow there to be an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in this season. I want to pray with some of you. Um, I just get this picture of it's almost like tremors of an earthquake, uh, that some of you in this room have begun to sense the tremoring in your heart of the shift of a season. And uh, even as we're talking about what we're talking about this morning, you identify, you know, it's something being born by the Spirit. It's not just uh, that you're shifting and, and a natural thing, that you're just thinking about something else or wanting a change. There's a shift in the Spirit. There's a broadening. There's a, in a sense, a, uh, a Jesus uh, calling you out of the boat like he did with Peter to walk on water. There's a, uh, a, a sense of... of uh, you can't stay where you are and as things have been and everything be okay. God's called you to more. And if that's you, can I just ask you to stand uh, to your feet? I'd like to pray with you if that's you. This is not something to be done in front of people, but I think out of an act of obedience and recognition to the Lord, saying, Lord, I see that. I recognize that. I accept that. This is what you're doing. Um, uh, I, I, and I respond. By standing, you're saying, I'm responding. I'm responding. And so I, I just encourage you right now, those of you who are standing, just to, just to posture yourself specifically before the Lord to say, yes, yes to what you're doing. Yes to the timing. Yes to the fact that you can't do it, but he can. Yes to the fact that he is faithful. And he will. Yes, to the fact that if you step out of that boat, the waters underneath your feet are more solid than the boat itself because those waters were framed by words from the same mouth that spoke to you to come to him. And you can step out on that water and acknowledge that before the Lord right now that you have no reason to fear. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So, Father, I, I pray for those who, whose hearts have been gripped, whose hearts are being stirred by your spirit, the same spirit that burst the church out of Jerusalem and into Judea and Samaria, that brought the gospel ultimately to the Gentiles, the uttermost ends of the earth, that same spirit that, has been, that was upon Christ is tremoring within the hearts of these. Lord, I pray, God, we pray, your will be done, your kingdom come, your, uh, what you designed and what you desire and the places where these are to go and the things that they're called to do, Lord, let it be done, let it be so. And Lord, we thank you for the endowment of power from on high, the Holy Spirit. We rely upon the Holy Spirit, and I pray in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, fill, fill these, fill to overflowing, fill to overflowing in Jesus' name. As they step out in obedience, let them, let them be filled with, to overflowing, that the world would encounter you through them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Sweet. Hey, I want to invite you all to stand. Um, don't forget, we have a couple of um, sign-ups after service now. If you want to check out that tech slide um, team that's happening on Thursday, see Brett. Also, if you're looking to get a, a vaccine and you'd like to uh, be a part of that on May 28th, um, Brett is also taking those sign-ups. Uh, youth, don't forget, next Saturday, we are having a Rise Up One Night. We love you guys. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you soon. God bless you all. Bye-bye.